0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Tuesday, July 6th, we are studying Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 15-32. to 32. Jeremiah continues his letter to the exiles in Babylon in order now to warn them of the lying prophets even there in Babylon who are preaching falsely in the name of the Lord. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Mark Bars. Pastor Bars serves at Crown of Life Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. Pastor Bars, welcome back to Sharp Iron.
1: Good morning, Pastor Apple. Great to be with you. Great to be with our listeners again today.
0: As we get started this morning, let's talk a little context. We're in the middle of chapter 29. What do we know about Jeremiah, his ministry, and then where we are particularly in the book right now?
1: Well, I know that Many who have been listening uh, throughout this series have heard lots about Jeremiah and lots of Jeremiah, but but there's a few things that I would review. Uh, perhaps there are some new listeners or some who missed episodes along the way. So so Jeremiah is is the the prophet, the iron prophet, sometimes called that. And there's there's a that even a, there's a hint of that in today's text. How he how he is one who is speaking to two audiences uh, or a divided audience we might say he's speaking to those yet in Jerusalem and who have not gone into exile but there are letters and communications and they are going back and forth to the exiles in in Babylon there's a series of his sayings or his prophecies it, it, it is of course helpful to know that this is not a narrative book this is not this is not the book of exodus that that is that is narrative of God at work and taking his people and moving his people from slavery to the promised land. And yet, yet to know the narrative that is happening, that some have been taken into exile and and others remain and 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 the the dispute and the the not just more than more than dispute, the misunderstanding of, of what this exile means. We'll we'll come to that in a little while. How how vulnerable uh, Israel in the North, Judea, Judah in the South have have been, and how their foes have overwhelmed them, and they certainly have greater numbers and greater forces to do to do all of that. There are some very helpful notes for those who, who look at the Lutheran Study Bible and the introduction to Jeremiah on, on all of that, uh, but, but the real... The real question is, is for Jeremiah as he speaks, as he speaks out God's word, is, is who will you believe? Not just what will you believe, but, but who will you believe? And, and that the prophet of God is, yes, at times the one who predicts and says, this is what God is yet to do. This is what will be happening. Yes, that, that is what prophecy is. And, and yet, and yet there's, there's the other, part of it that the prophet is the proclaimer of God's word. He is speaking out the word. He is speaking it to a particular situation and that, and that the mouth of the prophet is to be listened to as the very mouth of Yahweh. And, and that's why there is such uh, conflict in this, in this section, whose, whose mouth are you listening to? Whose word will you Will you believe? Another thing that I would mention about Jeremiah is is the length of his ministry. Some of the prophets speak in a, in a much narrower context of time of years, but but Jeremiah sweeps perhaps as much as fifty years, and and while it's again not narrative, there are so many other books that that are connected to what is happening. Everything from 2 Kings and Second Chronicles, those books of history, to the, to the story books of Esther and Daniel. Uh, the prophetic books of Isaiah and Ezekiel are, are partially here or referenced as well. The prophet Habakkuk writes during this time and minor prophets Obadiah, Nahum, and Zephaniah are, are likely within this greater sphere as well. But once more, the prophet who speaks of what God is doing and is yet to do and speaks the word of God to the people of God, which is, which is why uh, the church still has a prophetic voice, doesn't it, Pastor Apple? It's, it's, not that, it's not that you or I or any pastors can say, well, this is what God is going to do in 2025, but, but we are speaking uh, the word of God to the people of God so that, so that they may hear his, his, his law. But above all, his gospel, his comfort. And, and that's that's what Jeremiah wants them to hear as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, that Jeremiah hasn't had as much gospel sometimes as maybe we would like. And it hasn't always been as explicit in some places. Yesterday's text certainly had some gospel in mm-hmm. it. Today's— sure turn more to the warning again. And, and as you said already, introducing it for us, that the, the question is going to be, who do you listen to? Do you listen to Jeremiah who's writing this letter, or to these false prophets there in Babylon? And we'll see that. Thinking about what he did say yesterday, because we're picking the text up in the middle of this letter to the exiles, what has Jeremiah been saying so far? How does that set the stage for what he's going to do in our text today?
1: Well, what what he's been saying is that is that you, you need to be you need to be repentant. Of course, it is always a it is always a call to repentance and 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 to trust that that God is at work the the future the future and the hope that that God has has promised and has spoken that we're going to in the next days and and uh, of sharper iron i'm sure i know you'll be studying the the comfort chapters that follow this chapters 30 31 32 33 where where we hear some wonderful rich and and hopeful hopeful words not that not that the first 29 chapters are entirely law they are not because they are they are god's faithfulness being shared being proclaimed and and that and that uh, Luther uses this phrase and he describes it he says it's always that the punishment and wrath would not last forever and and how how much that is still true that you and I who who know and confess our sins sunday after sunday uh, deserve uh, we deserve uh, punishment now and forever temporal and eternal punishment and and yet in Christ that wrath has been taken away that punishment has fallen on the innocent one and so Jeremiah does speak to the future in that respect he he points the people at that time in the in the uh, 6th century BC he points them ahead to the one who will ultimately not only speak the word of god but bring the comfort of certain forgiveness and a return and a return from exile a gathering a gathering into the church
0: i think the the surprise of this chapter and, and thinking about yesterday's text as well into today's is that that restoration, that promise, is given to the people who have been taken into exile, not to the people who are all or still in Jerusalem, to the the king who sits on the throne of David, as we'll read today. Those are the ones who still have more judgment coming to them. It is the exiles who who have already been taken into Babylon who probably are, are wondering, has God left us? Has He forsaken us? They're the ones that receive the promise of hope today. I think we're going to get more of the flip side of of the. Yesterday was a very positive way of speaking to it. Today's the negative of it, that, that no, you people who are in Jerusalem, you will, in fact, still receive that judgment— and it's of course in this context that we and we talked about this yesterday but it it's one of those verses that it it gets put up everywhere Jeremiah 29:11 it's in that context of that you people in exile you're the ones that that are going to be restored that's where the lord says i know the plans that i have for you which i think you know colors that verse maybe differently than sometimes we when we just put it on the wall or on a, a graduation bulletin and say it's important right. to know that that context of that verse
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yes, and and so much, so much of of how it is, it is just as as God spoke to Noah and, and his family after the flood, He makes a promise to them, but but He He pledges Himself to what He will to what He will do. He will He will remember when He sees the bow in the sky, never to bring this kind of destruction again. So so what we're hearing, what we heard yesterday, and and what. What we cling to from those from those those plans he has for us it's, it's his his thought, his intention his his certainty because his thoughts are not our thoughts. Isaiah says that in, in or through the prophet Isaiah he says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, and he will carry them he will carry them back home he has he has a plan uh, that will be fulfilled in the return from the exile, but in the big picture it, it will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled in the mission of Christ our Savior.
0: Let's go ahead and start working our way through the text for today. We're in Jeremiah chapter 29, picking up now at verse 15, in the middle of this letter that Jeremiah is writing to the exiles in Babylon. Because you have said, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. Thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, And concerning all the people who dwell in this city, your kinsmen who did not go out with you into exile, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I am sending on them sword, famine, and pestilence, and I will make them like vile figs that are so rotten they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with sword, famine, and pestilence, and will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse, a terror, a hissing and reproach among all the nations where I have driven them, because they did not pay attention to my words, declares the Lord, that I persistently sent to you by my servants the prophets, but you would not listen, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles whom I sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning Ahab, the son of Kaliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Behold, I will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them down before your eyes. Because of them, this curse shall be used by all the exiles from Judah in Babylon. The Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire. Because they have done an outrageous thing in Israel, they have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives, and they have spoken in my name lying words that I did not command them. I am the one who knows, and I am witness, declares the Lord. I'll pause there, Pastor Bars. That's through verse 23 of this chapter. Again, Jeremiah is continuing this letter to the exiles in Babylon, and he brings up a matter—well, I think there's there's probably two things going on in this text that we've read so far. One is the matter that the people who are still in Jerusalem, they are going to receive the judgment. And two is the matter of these false prophets, who we know are, are certainly present in Jerusalem. Jerusalem and Judah. Jeremiah's had conflict with them already. Now he's writing against false prophets who are in Babylon. So we've got those two issues presenting in this part of the letter. Now, where do you want to start, Pastor Bars? Take us start taking us into the, the text we've got before us so far.
1: Well, the first thing that that appeared that that comes to me is how how much that was true of what that they said the lord has raised up prophets for us in babylon and once more who are you listening to what what are you going to believe paul writes to timothy in in his second letter about those who have itching ears they they long to hear what what they want to he, what they want to hear they want, they want to believe something and and so uh, the the reach of yahweh is is so strong that that yes his his people are in exile and in Babylon. He is sending message and messengers. Jeremiah will communicate with them, but but they are claiming that they have their own prophets, that that. They're hearing what they want to hear, which is essentially that the exile will be over soon. When when we hear later on that there's Zedekiah and Ahab who are roasted in the fire, it's likely that these are some who are promoting and saying uh, the God of of Israel is going to to take us back home and the empire is going to fall, and and essentially they're, they're being treasonous. And we heard yesterday once more, we heard those, those words from, from chapter 29 about about uh, have children, marry, have children, build homes. pray for, pray for those it, where you are, because it will be a lifetime. It will be a lifetime of exile. So, so we have that theme happening, and then you're right. then to those who are yet in this city in Jerusalem, who have not been taken off into exile, I am sending on them sword, famine, and pestilence. And I will make them like vile figs, nauseous figs, so so rotten that they cannot be eaten. Now, would would this word that in this letter to the exile, would they have understood, would they have known that there was recorded previously and in our Bibles, chapter 24, the vision of the two baskets of figs? Uh, perhaps not perhaps they they know nothing of this and yet and yet he uses spoiled figs nauseous figs rotten figs as a as a as a sign of those who who are uh, putrid in 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 god's in god's eyes and they are they have become like vile like vile figs and he will pursue them. Now we have the repeat of those words sword famine and pestilence in verse 18 and they will be they will be a horror uh, even even the nations the pagan nations will We'll see that that they are under the judgment of God, of the true God, a curse, a terror, a hissing, a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them. Probably also, also there's there's implications of some are down in Egypt. You know, we we think of the main exile, and it is it is to the east, it is to Babylon. But some some have chosen, and some have some have moved down to Egypt as well. So that all the nations where I have driven them, and and, and what caught my attention. Because I read and reread this, and 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 I kept seeing the Lord speaking, Yahweh speaking, and He says my words that's in that's in verse 19 he says just a little bit after that my servants the prophets i'll I'll come back to that i'd like to come back to that in a moment too but then he says those who prophesy a lie in my name in verse in verse 21 it repeats it repeats again in verse 23 my name and and finally And finally at the very end and we'll come to that in our in our time yet today the good that i will do to my people the the possessiveness of god is is a very good thing that that he has he has a name that is is to be honored is to be used and is to pray praise and give thanks as 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 luther tells us in the catechism uh, that he has servants and they are they are my servants my servants the prophets but Curiously enough, there are times when Nebuchadnezzar is his servant or Cyrus later on will be will be his servant. My name, my words, my servants, and and my people. That that takes us back to yesterday again, doesn't it? That he has a, a future and a hope because he has called his he has called his covenant people to be to be his own. And and the new covenant people rejoice we rejoice in that same in that same identity, that same that same confidence that we have because he has claimed us as his own.
0: Hmm. Uh, so a couple of thoughts Pastor bars because there's there's so much we can talk about here. The the matter of the vile figs, you know, going back to Jeremiah chapter 24 as you, as you were talking, I flipped back there and that that chapter is where Jeremiah is given this vision of two baskets of figs, the good and the vile. Mm And and it's said that that happens after the folks are taken into exile. So it it does seem likely that perhaps the exiles don't know that they've not heard that sermon from Jeremiah yet. But he still makes use of that image in preaching to them, and and perhaps they would recall uh, Amos receives a very similar vision about about figs that that's used, and that's of course a symbol that we see throughout the Old Testament for the people of Israel. So maybe you know they would have been familiar with some of that. As you were talking about the. These prophets that they're saying they've got in Babylon, given the what else Jeremiah says when he starts naming them, it seems that they do have in mind the the false prophets and the ones particularly that Jeremiah names. But it, it struck me as you, were, as you were talking that the Lord does raise up Ezekiel in Babylon. Now, and I don't know, it's, I don't know that there's any way to, to say for certain because we don't know exactly when Jeremiah wrote this letter, uh, whether or not Ezekiel would have been called at the time. But But perhaps if, you know, and this is maybe a bit of speculation, but if Jeremiah writes it before Ezekiel, a letter like this there to the exiles in Babylon could, you know, they can have this in their mind. Ah, here is one that the Lord did raise up for us because we recognize that what he's saying is the same thing that Jeremiah is saying as well. So, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know how we can connect this letter to the book of Ezekiel. I didn't do any, any research on that, but it did, that thought did cross my mind. And then, well, no, I think I'll pause and let you, you respond to any of that. I probably had other thoughts, but those are the two that came to mind first.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, again, these, the, are they self, the, they contend that the lord has raised up these prophets but but they are really self declared prophets aren't they and yeah. and the prophet who who speaks of his own who speaks in his prophecy doesn't come true and, and who say, who calls uh, his his own dreams that was that was earlier that was earlier in this chapter as well so how 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 dare we speak for god uh, presumptuously however how wonderful how wonderful that the church can hear the living voice of the gospel through those given that that office and that voice and, and and only to speak what is what is what is in the word to to speak out the written and revealed word of god we don't we don't have to we don't have to wonder if uh, somehow god is going to uh, anoint me literally and say you need to be uh, my profit in San Antonio, Texas in, in 2021. But he has given to the pastors of his church the the charge, the responsibility to to take that word and to speak that word out, a word that is law. Yes, of course it is law, but it is a, a comforting and a hopeful word. It is the word of promise. It is the word of the God who keeps every promise, and all the promises of God are yes in Christ, and and that's why you and I—that's why you and I—, that's why you and I um, Move into the pulpit on Sunday mornings, isn't it? And that's why wherever the people who are listening uh, on sharper iron, that's why they that's why they sit and they have the vocation of listeners to to listen to those who are given the vocation of proclaimers that that they, too, might might hear not self-declared prophets, but but God given uh, speakers out of of the word of God, the word that is that is life and that is truth.
0: Yeah. I mean that that knowing that the man who's preaching to you on Sunday morning has been called by God to preach to you is is a really important thing. And we've talked about that previously. It brings comfort to the people to know that yes, this is the man that God has sent to to declare not the, the word of that man, but the word of God to me and it's also a comfort to the to the preacher to know that God has called him so that you know he he gets up there in the confidence not in himself but in the word that he declares and, and you know we see Jeremiah Jeremiah wrestle with that at various moments and, and continuing to give that to the people here is is so important especially those exiles in babylon to know again who do they listen to while they're in Babylon. Is it these false preachers? No. Jeremiah is fulfilling that role. Ezekiel will fulfill that role and, and more men will be raised up in the in the coming ages by God to declare his word to them. The other I remember the other thing that, that stood out, stood out to me, Pastor Bars, you were talking about the the importance of God's possessiveness, you know, my words, my servant, my name. And it was it was actually other pronouns that caught my eye in this text as well. Here Jeremiah is is proclaiming to the exiles, what's going to happen to the people left in Jerusalem, that that I will pursue them because, in verse 19, they did not pay attention to my words. But then I I noticed how it, it changes from talking about only the people in Jerusalem and Judah, who didn't obey, who didn't listen, but it also includes the exile still. So that mm-hmm. in verse 19, I persistently sent to you by my servants, the prophets, but you would not listen. It, or I think a reminder there to those still in exile, yes, restoration is going to come according to the Lord's promise after 70 years, but... Take heed lest you fall. Remember why you are in exile in the first place because you too did not listen to my words. Don't look back on those people in Jerusalem in some sort of sinful pride, but use this as the opportunity to repent that the Lord is giving you.
1: And And this persistency, that that wonderful phrase in in verse 19, there's a there's a little bit behind that that the, that the Hebrew word there is the same word that could mean to to rise up early and in fact the king james version of the bible has it i sent unto you i sent unto them by my servants the prophets rising up early and sending them it translates it uh, literally in that way that that it's as if it's as if uh, every morning <laughs> every morning to us god who is without days and nights and 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 years of course but but god Early morning sends, here is here is my voice proclaiming to you, I'm sending you a prophet, I'm sending you one who speaks for me, and I will do so again and again until ultimately the word becomes flesh. And and we hear in Christ, we hear, we hear the the final, the the gracious the gracious word of God in, in whom uh, Jesus can say, I am the way and the truth and the life so that persistently that that rising up early, even though they refuse to listen, the, the faithful God who continues to send out to send out his message to his to his people. And Pastors, and if we I got,
0: may. Well, as I say, we yeah. have, we got just a couple of minutes here before break. Okay. And you you had mentioned earlier the repetition of sword, famine, and pestilence, and we've heard that previously sure. in Jeremiah. I thought that'd be a good thing to to comment on here before we go to our break.
1: Of course, so this is an interesting phrase. It is all over the book of Jeremiah. It is not just in Jeremiah. Uh, it goes back to. Uh, chronicles where the phrase sword judgment or pestilence or famine and then uh, ezekiel uses language very similar sometimes he adds to it he will add uh, wild beasts on one occasion and and we'll finally hear it in the, in the book of revelation but but what i'd like to say is that uh this is this is uh, some some rich promise even though it sounds as though it's it's only judgment uh, there's 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 more than hints of, of, of the gospel and of Christ in this, Christ, Christ throughout the scriptures. So the sword, this is just the way I would, I would like to, I would like our hearers to listen to this, that it, it, a sword is for battle and Christ Jesus goes into battle for us. He lays down his life for his friends. We sing on Easter morning, the strife is o'er the battle done. Now is the victor's triumph won. Now be the song of praise begun, alleluia. So he is the one who goes into battle for us. And and he is the one who who relieves the famine. He is, not only does he feed the thousands, but he is the bread of life. He serves his church at his holy supper he invites us to taste and see that he is good and and ultimately we will have that eternal marriage feast of the lamb in his kingdom and, and And pestilence, and we know pestilence, we know, having come through this pandemic, and we know sadly how much disease can ravage the world and ravage those that we love but but Christ is our cure from from the plague of temptation and sin, he is our medicine from the terminal disease of sin that always pays the wage of death but he is the one who is life, who in him is life and that life is the light of men. our Christmas gospel from John chapter one. And by believing we have life in his name, the next to the last chapter of the gospel of John. So, So hear those words and you'll hear them again as you continue on through Jeremiah. But but hear them as ways I hope. I hope those who are listening to us this day would hear them as as signs of of God's gracious actions as well.
0: Yeah, those those things that our sins deserve, our Lord Jesus comes and he reverses for us a theme that we see throughout the scriptures. We're going to take our break here on Sharper Iron. We're listening to Pastor Mark Bars help us with the end of Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine today. We will be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharp Iron. It is Tuesday, July sixth. We're studying Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine verses fifteen to thirty-two with Pastor Mark Bars. He serves at Crown of Life Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas. Pastor Bars, prior to the break, we're looking at this again, the second half of the letter to the exiles that Jeremiah sends. And we talked about how he's warned them about what is going to happen to the people still in Judah and Jerusalem. And that theme of false prophets, which we've talked about as well, it continues in the, the latter part of what we've read so far. And Jeremiah actually mentions a couple of them in particular to watch out for. He mentions Ahab, the son of Coliah, and Zedekiah, the son of Messiah. Uh, what are they doing? What happens to them? What does Jeremiah have to say about these two men?
1: Well, well. First of all, it's interesting that their names are those of not the same people, but named for one of the most wicked kings of, of Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> and a, and a wicked, two wicked kings of Israel and a wicked king of Judah. And what is it? What is it that they are doing? Well, they are among the prophets who are lying to the people of God. They are. Uh, speculating if not if not saying uh, nebuchadnezzar is going down and and there will be restoration soon you'll the exile will be over you'll you'll go back home well they were wrong and they were wrong in their presumptuousness and then they would be executed by the king who they said was fading in his in his power and they will be roasted in the fire well we know the story of fire in Babylon from the Book of Daniel. We know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that fourth, that fourth one in the in the fiery furnace. So, so there's historicity that's going on as well. And they have done an outrageous thing. Verse twenty three says an outrageous thing. It is, it is, uh, sinful and and it and it is folly. It is so wrong that it cannot even be described in detail. it is it is not just that their that their mouths have have spoken falsehood they have acted falsely and committing adultery with their with their neighbors' lives and so even to speak their names, Zedekiah and Ahab becomes becomes a curse it, it, it's, it's the word you shall not say but when you say it you you say it to to remember and, and to demean someone else but but let me point out a contrast there's there's a wonderful closing portion of the book of Ruth where where just the opposite happens where where there a name can be spoken in blessing and and we know that this is true from how god uses names and and renames people at different times and and to speak of the god of abraham isaac and jacob is is not just to praise individuals but but to to honor the God who who chose them and used them as his covenant people. So in Ruth chapter 4 it says may the Lord make the woman they're speaking of Ruth who is coming into your house speaking of Boaz like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. So to use the name in that positive affirming way there's this contrast where Jeremiah says in Babylon these two not only have they been executed by roasting in the fire uh, but don't even speak their name and if you do if you speak their name it will be spoken as curse and it will there will be no blessing whatsoever uh, upon those people Hmm. so there's there's a little bit more to to kind of try to wrap that that section up they spoke in my name they dared to speak in my name but verse 23 says it was lying words i did not command them and and God speaks as his own witness. I, it suggests to me the way in which Jesus at, at different times, and uh, one that comes to mind is John chapter 8, when, when he has this conversation, confrontation with the Jews, and, and they keep saying, who are you? How dare you? And and he says, my father and I, but but they won't accept they won't accept his his witness of who he is who he really is the great i am when before abraham was i am as he speaks to them he gives his own witness so declares the lord
0: hmm. I, I i think that even just the jesus repeated use of the the words amen amen or sometimes you know i mm. truly i say to you that's a, another example of this matter of you know the lord who knows the one who's witnessed jesus you know identifying himself with this with this same god uh, what you what you said about and I don't know why I didn't think about that but what you said about the Shadrach Meshach and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace and how these two false prophets Zedekiah and Ahab are thrown or you know they're roasted in the fire showing the historicity of it that's that's a fantastic mm-hmm. thing I don't know why I didn't make that connection but that's, that's a fantastic mm-hmm. example because that is King Nebuchadnezzar who does that and apparently Zedekiah and Ahab don't don't make it out like Shadrach Meshach and Christ. Abednego what what stands out to me about that it is that on the one hand all of that makes sense from a very political perspective that Nebuchadnezzar would throw these guys into the fire because Zedekiah and Ahab, like you're saying, are, are proclaiming to the people, look, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a nobody. He's, he's going downhill quick. We're all going home. So it makes sense politically for Nebuchadnezzar to throw them into the fire because they're rebels but theologically the lord's saying the real reason that they're rebels is because they're not listening to my words yeah i mean it's a i suppose you know just to think about it according to the catechism it's not that they're i mean they are breaking the fourth commandment but they're even more importantly, they're breaking the second commandment. They're taking God's name in vain, and ultimately breaking the first commandment by by setting themselves up as idols, saying we know more than God knows. And so, I, I just appreciate the way that the the text, you know, it it makes us think theologically about what otherwise would just seem a very political move. The Lord gives us the the theological reality behind it. There.
1: Yeah, exactly, and very well, and very well said as as well to to say, you know, we talk we talk sometimes left-hand right-hand kingdom and and here here they seem to be they uh, they they're, they're not they're not separated they're they're happening at the same time mm. nebuchadnezzar knows and cares nothing about about the right-hand kingdom about how god is at work in this he's he's ready to get rid of a couple of people who are who are threatening his his rule and his power and his authority and, and god is saying well they're really being punished because of my rule and my power and my authority and they didn't they spoke falsely they they were not they were not my servants the prophets they were false they were false prophets
0: hmm. and the other thing just to maybe mention very briefly you you did draw uh, draw draws to it in verse twenty three, where it where it says that these two men, these false prophets, have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives. It is just a reminder that so often the false teaching goes hand in hand with the false living that it, it's not it's not just that these guys are are upright, pious Israelites who happen to be preaching falsely, but in fact, they're they're false preaching. It goes hand-in-hand hand with their false living, and they're, they're committing egregious sins against their neighbor in addition to what they're doing against the Lord. Any any final comments on, on this first part of the, the text we've read today, Pastor Bars, before we move on to the rest?
1: Let's move on. Let's right. Let's go ahead and move on. Okay, Pastor Apple. All right.
0: Let's pick up then again. We're in verse 24 now of Jeremiah 29. To Shemaiah of Nehalom you shall say, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. You have sent letters in your name to all the people who are in Jerusalem and to Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, and all the priests, saying, The Lord has made you priest instead of Jehoiada, the priest, to have charge in the house of the Lord over every madman who prophesies to put him in the stocks and neck irons. Now, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah of Anathoth, who is prophesying to you? For he has sent to us in Babylon, saying, Your exile will be long. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Zephaniah the priest read this letter in the hearing of Jeremiah the prophet. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Send to all the exiles, saying, Thus says the Lord concerning Shemaiah of Nehalam, Because Shemaiah had prophesied to you when I did not send him, and has made you trust in a lie, therefore thus says the Lord. Behold, I will punish Shemaiah of Nehalam and his descendants. He shall not have anyone living among this people, and he shall not see the good that I will do to my people, declares the Lord. For he has spoken rebellion against the Lord. That's the rest of Jeremiah's letter here in chapter 29. That was verses 24 to 32. So, Pastor Bars, we gotta make sure we get it straight here because we're getting reports of, of other letters here in the midst of all this. So which and that's just one thing that, that fascinates me. Sometimes I think we, we think of the ancient world as sort of ho-hum. But here we get a, a pretty good picture of some diplomacy, some envoys going back and forth with letters, and that you know there was there was significant interaction. It may have taken more time to get those letters from one place to the other, but there's a significant interaction happening between back Babylon and the people of Judah and Jeremiah is involved in that and so are these these false prophets who are still in, or have been exiled to Babylon. What what's happening? Just give us set the scene so we understand who's saying what to whom at this point
1: well that, that that's difficult to to figure out sometimes isn't it because because there's a message going to the exiles in babylon there's a message within the middle of that message in our in an earlier part of our study this morning is is a message back to the people in jerusalem and and now uh, to Shemaiah, you shall say you and it includes in verse 25 you have sent letters in your name once more the contrast god speaks my name he speaks he speaks my words. He speaks of my servants. He speaks of my people. But, but that's, that's not subtle. You speak in your name. You do not speak in my name. And you sent a message back to Jerusalem, and you sent it to Zephaniah, to the priests, and to all the priests. Well, wait a minute. Slow down here, Shemaiah. You are, you are going to—the rebuke that you sent towards Jeremiah of Anathoth, who is prophesying— you are going to be rebuked yourself and you are going to also learn that you have told people that they should trust in your words and and they've trusted and they've trusted in a lie uh, so here here uh Shemaiah, and and by the way this is his uh Nahawam, Oftentimes it is a geographic reference, but it's but it's interesting that that's also a word that in Hebrew is related to the word dreamer, and and we heard yesterday that it is a lie. Uh, excuse me, that there are diviners among you who deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. So perhaps there's a there's a little bit of a of a of a reference to yes that's where he's from, but you know what it suggests that he's a dreamer he wants you to believe he wants you to believe his 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 own words rather than rather than the word of god and, and then there's and then there's this reference um about about uh the madman who prophesies is is that is that Jeremiah is that he is being accused of being a madman, being an, an idiot, I think would even be a would even be a, a better translation, a better translation of that. And and how easily you can you can uh, do character assassination and, and say, oh, it's just. It's just it's just a madman. It's just a madman speaking how easy it is to dismiss someone in that way rather than as Jeremiah is given the prophetic role, the prophetic office that he would that he would speak out, that he would speak out the word of God and and put him in stocks and neck irons. Uh, Our previous chapter had one of those visual prophecies of of putting on putting on yoke bars and and they are and they are broken but they are wooden bars in chapter 28 and now and now they are called neck irons and we've we've seen too many pictures from history and sadly that still happens in some places around the world where especially christians are are suffering dramatically and terribly because of their witness because of their witness for christ but but how how slaves are made to wear neck irons and, and and shackles and manacles and and how much how much that demeans them and and yet to simply say well put the madman put the idiot in 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 a neck iron well those are burst off, those are taken off, those are signs that Jeremiah will ultimately speak speak out the truth, the truth of God. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so you've got this the Shemiah, he's he's sending a letter back basically asking the the priests back in Jerusalem, why haven't you dealt with this guy yet? What what's mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on? And and we do know from chapter twenty of jeremiah jeremiah was put in stocks at least at some point in his in his ministry as a prophet how those again how this text and that text go together chronologically is not always easy to to discern some you know perhaps this letter comes and that gives them the idea later oh yeah we should throw this jeremiah in the in the stocks what you were what you're talking about earlier about them calling jeremiah a madman this is, I think it's a, a common response to hearing the truth as one way to, to kind of keep it at arm's length and to deny it. And I was reminded of a, one of the gospel readings we heard not that long ago in the season after Pentecost was from Mark chapter three, where it's Jesus' own family who's who's mm. wanting to draw him out of the these crowds because they're saying he's crazy, that, you know, they, they think he's nuts. And and just, to, I mean, it's, it's, you know, to see that connection between Jeremiah and Jesus, we've drawn some of those previously. Here's another one where Jeremiah was said to be a madman, so they thought our Lord to be crazy, at least at some point, in his own preaching. And that's that's just one of our, I think, sinful defenses in an attempt to try to keep God's word away from us, that we if we can say it's crazy, then we don't have to deal with it, we don't have to repent
1: and, and then and then just to to take that a step further but then but then there is Paul the apostle who who will say but but if i if I am a fool if I, then I'm a fool for Christ and, yeah. and not you know the same the same one who writes of the foolishness of the gospel right. to the to the world but he even says, if I must be a fool, I will be a fool, I will be a fool for christ so here's here's something else yeah in verse twenty eight is is again this this contrast and and more than contrast i think a conflict between what is the exile about because the letter has been sent saying your exile will be long build houses and live in them and plant gardens that's jeremiah's message and and shemaiah and the others are saying no it's it's not going to be what what that man says it's going to be and and they've created they've created a, a lie, and, and it's false hope that that God has not forgotten them. I, I think of I think of the 430 years after after the Pharaoh dies and the next Pharaoh dies, and Joseph and and all their children are in are in Egypt, and and they wait and they wait and they wait, and 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 God has not forgotten, as as the Church even waits now, and yes, as we live our lives in our normal common vocations and and we uh, build houses and live in them and we plant gardens and eat their produce and we have children and grandchildren and 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 yet we trust that in the larger picture our god is yet at work and he will do all that he has promised he has given us a hope and a, and a future it is grounded in christ and and that is that is why we can live these vocations as common as they are in in a trusting way because of what God has has done and said in his in his written and revealed word. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that that phrase there in verse 28 that they're disputing, you know, this exile will be long and building. They don't they don't like that. I think that is a an important word for us still as Christians when we think about the length that we've been waiting, you know, 2000 years now that we've been waiting for our Lord to return doing these very things. And yet at the same time, knowing, and I suppose this is, this is a difference between, between us and the, these exiles is that the exiles knew that there was a, a distinct period of time and they knew what that was. Jeremiah told them 70 years we've been waiting. And, and yet at the same time, we know that our Lord is coming soon and we pray for him to come soon. It is a distinct period of time. We just don't know what it is. <laughs> and and so, I mean, he knows what it is. The father has set the day, but, but we don't know what it is. And so we do these things in faith that our Lord will come soon and will deliver us as he has promised rather than saying, falling into the the scoffing of the, the folks who like, for example, in second Peter chapter three, who are saying, ah, he's, he hasn't come yet. He's not going to come. That's the temptation for us, I think. And, and here, you know, a word like this, seeing what the exiles went through, I think is it helps us to strengthen or strengthens our faith in our Lord's promise that He will keep it, even if we don't know the precise timeline, He will keep this promise, and and it strengthens us to live in, in the hope that Jeremiah is giving to those exiles um, as we wait, as we pray for Him to come soon, come quickly.
1: And and hope, uh, a word that a word that uh, I I have to confess I I in earlier years and younger years. It, it it wasn't a strong enough word for me. It was it was not it was not rich and it didn't have the depth that it that it does. I didn't understand it that way. That that hope was wishful thinking. But but hope is sure and certain. It is as as the writer to the Hebrews says. It is an anchor. It is an anchor for our souls. And and so we we are we are trusting. We trust in faith. We we cling in faith to what God has already done. We we trust and cling in hope to what God has promised yet to do you and i have stood and our listeners themselves have stood at, at the gravesides they've been at they've been at cemeteries it was for me at, at my mother's at my mother's graveside back back this past november we commit our the body of our sister marilyn to the ground earth to earth ashes to ashes dust to dust in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life, so so it's not only it's not only the the false prophets that they listen to. It's a it's a false hope that that your your situation will be changed soon. It will it will happen and it will be done, and and that we are called to that faithfulness in our in our hope. For two thousand years, the church has prayed, "Come, Lord Jesus," and and we will continue to pray that, and we will pray it. We will pray that those words in, in confidence and, and in hope. Mm.
0: This false hope that the false prophets are bringing, Shemaiah, particularly in this last part of the letter, I mean, that's the, the real tragedy of it, is particularly with the judgment that the Lord speaks against Shemaiah, that because he's holding on to this false hope and he's preaching the same to others— He's going to miss out on the real hope that he, that the Lord wants him to have, you know, those, those words, he shall not see the good that I will do to my people. Mm. The Lord said here, I made the promise to you, Shemaiah, but you didn't believe it. And, and I mean, what a, what a tragedy that the Lord had made that promise and Shemaiah chose to, to cling to the false hope instead, just as, as a just so you, you have an idea of how much time we have, we've got about six minutes here. And I, I know uh, you, you want to have some final words on, you mentioned the, my people that comes up here and, and two, you, you, you've also talked about the, the chapters of Consolation, the Book of Comfort, as it's sometimes called, that's coming up in tomorrow's text, beginning in chapter 30. Help us to make those connections, the the my people, again, Pastor Bars, as we start to wrap up this morning.
1: Well, if I may, I'm going to go back to even how, how he speaks of Shemaiah, because because it, the word is, the word is, I did not send him once more the... the the presumptuous claim that that god has that god has sent me and and that's that's often how how our lord acts doesn't he how how he sends and uh, isaiah i think of i think of isaiah in that great vision in that great vision in the temple and and the, the the seraphim singing and and the and the coal that touches the coal that touches his lips they're scorched and cleansed by the coal and he says here am i send me and and he says it not in a brash way i think he says it in, in great humility and and for 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 any pastor i say it of myself having had this this call and confirmed this call in ordination for 34 and a half years to say here am i send me and and to be able to say with with humility he, he has sent me he has sent me to to be a servant to his people much different than saying i have been sent by god and and making a claim that is that is untrue but i try to make it i try to make it somehow forceful that that gives me authenticity and then he says in that same in that same phrase, this is in at the end of verse 31. Shammai has made you trust in a lie. Now, now, now to trust in a lie is mm, it, it, it's 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 <laughs> it's futility. But but here's what's interesting in the Greek translation of of the Hebrew Old Testament. There there's a word in, and and we won't we won't. Worry about our hers with this too much, but pisteo is the word that we might expect to be trusting there, but it's not. It's el elpizaine. It's the word hope. for hope. Mm-hmm. To, to how the Greek translated is that you hope in a lie, and mm-hmm. and that's hopelessness. That's yeah. hopelessness because it's because it's not anchored in the word and hope is an anchor for the soul, but, but it becomes, it becomes false hope. So, so all of this can not, it's not just about Shemaiah, it's where the people of God find their, find their, their, their spirit-given confidence to say, we do not believe in a lie. Our hope is in, our hope is in the one who speaks the truth, who is the way and the truth and the life. The final, the final words of this the section of this chapter of chapter 29 uh, i will punish shemiah of nehalam and his descendants he shall not have anyone living among this people he shall not see the good that i will do to my people once more we get we get that that rich uh, ownership that that god affirms the good that i will do to my people there is this ultimate and eternal future and hope, which was presented and discussed yesterday. And, and that this is the great bridge, I think, this verse from that and 29 verse 11 into the comfort chapters which are which are before us. Uh, the false prophets have have really proclaimed that that God will not do harm for his people, that He will not send them into exile. Well, they, they have been, some of them have been and and judgment awaits those who haven't, and that the exile will will end much sooner than later. But God declares, no, don't believe those, don't put your hope in those lies. You will not see the good that I will do for my people. That good that, that happens for Daniel, who is freed from the lions, as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We already spoke of we already spoke of them. The the hope and the promise that there will be return and there will be a restoring of the temple and a rebuilding of the walls and yet and yet what we have hope in is a greater return a greater restoration a greater rebuilding which is promised and it is because of the greatest good that our god has promised to do and has done in christ for his new covenant people it happens when the father gives his only son to rescue and to redeem us to who the one who will give his life as a ransom for many to take our place to take the judgment we deserve under the just verdict of the law and and to gather lost and scattered and and wounded and and runaway sheep from their exile, from their scattering, and bring them together. Ephesians chapter 2 says it so well, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are gathered. We are gathered together. We we look and see what God has promised. We look back, we, we see that in Jeremiah. We look back and we see in the word how the promises have come true, how there is both death, but there is resurrection. When, when we cry out, how long, O Lord, for the church's exile still? Well, we rejoice that not only was the exodus out of the Holy Land and through the sea and and across the Jordan River, but the exodus has been given to us through the waters of baptism until we will enter that final promised land, the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, the The exile was for a full lifetime, 70 years, but there is a new lifetime, a new lifespan, as we gather around the throne of the Lamb in his kingdom.
0: Pastor Mark Bars is the pastor at Crown of Life Lutheran Church in San Antonio, Texas, helping us today with Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 15 to 32. Pastor Bars, thanks so much for being our guest today.
1: I will I will uh, continue to pray for God's people as we have had a chance to serve them this day. And thank you, Pastor Apple, for this opportunity. The peace of Christ be with you.
0: I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Jeremiah, comments, please send an email to kfuo.org or use the app and the open mic feature to send a message to us. We love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.